system. All right, so this is going to be our second player interview. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking to Tony, who is going to be playing um, a dragonborn cleric called Malleth. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know. Let's jump right into the interview. All right, Tony, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been playing role-playing games and like games in general for you know, 25, 30 years. Role-playing games mostly in like the last 15 or so. Uh, I listen to a lot of role-playing podcasts, consume a lot of content. It's it's pretty huge. Met my wife through a role-playing game, so... Oh yeah, that is true. <laughs> yep, and you were GMing it, so... Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that until you just said that. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah, met her through a role-playing game and dated through Minecraft. Dude, that's the nerd life right there. Exactly. We could I, all be I, so lucky. <laughs> I definitely am, am a nerd. Unapologetically a nerd. So you said you've been playing tabletop games for a long time. Uh, how long would you say you've been doing it, like, seriously or regularly? Um, so I had a fairly regular game when I was in college. Um, and, I mean, we switched systems a lot, but we played, we played like, every week. How long ago was that? Uh... How long ago was that? Yeah. Oh shit. Um, 2005. The yeah, so about 2004, 2005, I think it was, was when my my last like, because I, I played some games before that. Like there was definitely some some D and D and whatnot before that. Um, but my my consistent play wasn't until I was in college, and then around like 2000. 8 2009 I think it was when my uh my gr- that group fell apart due to some interpersonal issues. One of your members was named Douchebag Jim, so I'm not surprised that happened. Funny thing is it didn't have anything to do with Douchebag Jim. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it wasn't him. He was he was not the reason that the thing fell apart. It was uh it was an, it was another guy by the name of Matt that kicked my door in. Oh. And I told him to get the fuck out and never talk to me again, and... <laughs> That'll do it right there. And, like, the friend group just fell apart because, like, half of them were, like, more his friends than my friends. And I'm like, well, fuck you guys then. I'm done. <laughs> That's a pretty, I, I pretty good employee. I cut ties with, with, with all of my friends at that time. I mean, all of my, my close friends at that time. Um, and then I, I basically just started hanging out with my brother's friends who I was already friends with, but not as close. And that's kind of how I started hanging out with you. Well, I'm glad that happened because we've been friends for a long time and it's been awesome. Well, and technically like I was hanging out at your place playing Minecraft when that happened. Huh. Like Ricky and I walked back from from your place. Like we were over there. We we were playing Minecraft and like some tabletop games, and like we were hanging out over there. I was hanging out with you guys, and I came back. Like Ricky and I came back, and the the door to my apartment was like caved in, That's and like crazy. the door was all fucked up and shit. And I had to um had to deal with that. And like Ricky was there when I kicked that guy out. <laughs> So we're going to be uh, starting this thing off with basic D&D 5th uh, edition. 
But are there any other tabletop systems that you've played around with that you really like? Some a few that maybe stand out as favorites for you? Um so my favorite systems basically these days are anything powered by the apocalypse, like on some level. I I'm not necessarily a fan of every incarnation of PBTA, but like that core mechanic system feels really good to me. It is pretty nice. Um the 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 mechanics of like narrating what you're gonna do and then just rolling dice to see how well it goes like the way that it flows feels better than like i don't know why it feels better because it's really not that much different than like the way dungeons and dragons does it but um i think it's more you don't do a point by point you like you don't do every single action uh that you roll dice for you do like uh i'm going to do this one big thing and then you roll dice once and like it doesn't matter how many times you fire your gun in that sequence or how many times you kick the door it, the end result is that like you hit the guy or you 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 bash the door in or you don't All right it's more rules like focused on the narrative that kind of thing yeah and i i kind of like that although it feels sort of weird coming from like a, a big D D background because you don't roll for like every individual attempt to shoot somebody you just roll do you attack them properly and then you can narrate you shoot seven times right <laughs> as, as long as the the end result is that you hit them and that's my my current like favorite thing i used to like big D used to be my big big thing but I stopped playing it around 4th edition, and I got more into, like, narrative-driven games. And Oh, and the other game that I am currently just in love with is uh, For the Queen. Like, I love that game. I had a lot of fun playing that game. We got a game of it, just like a random pickup game of it at MAGFest. And, like, these guys that we had never met before... They, they, we went out to dinner, we had dinner, and then we came back to the convention, and we sat around a table in the middle of a, a big-ass group of people, and we played a game of For the Queen, and it was it was just fantastic. Because, like, the, gr the group, the game just sort of made this group cohesion that worked perfectly. That is sweet. There were, like, six of us, and the only person I even knew the name of was my wife. Like, I didn't even bother to ask the other guys. I mean, I think they had told me their names, but I'm terrible with names, so, like, I didn't even know their names. Yeah, I do that a lot, too, with new people. Just completely forget what their name is. So what is it, do you think, that kind of draws you towards uh, tabletop role-playing games over other uh, online video games or other types of entertainment, you know, multiplayer stuff, like MOBAs, MMOs, stuff like that? Well, I mean, I first of all, I play... Uh, some stuff like that. I don't really like MMOs, but like MOBAs, I, st I still play League of Legends. <laughs> um, but uh, tabletop games are like, there. there is a form of like community and like fiction creation that just can't really be done in any other way. Like reading a book gives you like the story as written by the author and it can be amazing. Like a good book is amazing. But it's it's um fixed, and like video games have the same thing. Like they're they're kind of like books, but they're semi interactive. But most of them, the stories are fairly fixed. Even those ones that claim that they have like a whole bunch of endings, typically they have three real endings and then a bunch of like minor variations of the three like main endings. In role playing games, you you can have 
like basically anything that makes sense in the story happen and like stories can suddenly make like left turns off into something you didn't expect and and as long as the group rolls with it and stuff happens like cohesively you you don't it doesn't it doesn't make it bad like that makes it good that's what makes it amazing yeah you can't really get that with uh many types of media really or anything yeah and it, I mean, sure, a writer can do that kind of twist in a book, and it it feels really good, but you don't get that, like, epiphany moment where, as a player or a GM, you just sort of like, oh my god, it makes sense. And then you, uh, you and, like, the, your group, like, work together to, like, really bring that narrative, like, to life, and you all... Put your own pieces in and that that group storytelling is also just like it's so much better than writing a book because like i i am creative and like i can come up with stuff but it's never as good as what comes out when i'm playing a game with like other creative people and we're bouncing off of each other for sure <clears throat> that kind of like cooperative storytelling is what it's all about so do you have, like, um, a favorite story that happened from one of the uh, tabletop RPGs that you played at some point? Oh, um, sadly, not really from a player perspective. Because I, my characters, like, I have so many of them. Um, but, like, I really, really enjoyed, um, for, at, from, like, GMing it, the, the narrative of, uh, um, I really enjoyed Paige's narrative, like the the arc for that character, uh, from from our our uh, superhero game. Like my side of that felt really satisfying. Was there like a particular um, event that kind of encapsulated the the essence of the arc that you can recall? Um, that the the first scene with with Paige and her father, where where she was like basically where Jesse was first coming into the realization and like in incorporating that into the character that that like realization of why her character was like the way she was um really made so much of that character make sense and like brought her from this sort of sort of flat character like originally Paige felt a little flat um, and then th that that addition of like content like really rounded her out in a way that felt really satisfying. I agree. I think that was a great uh, just completely turnaround for that character to go from flat and one dimensional to just getting that whole extra layer of complexity. Yeah, and and I I loved the character before like when she was one dimensional. Like I enjoy a character who is who is simple and like just likes to punch stuff. There is nothing wrong with a role playing character who who's who's just that simplistic. As long as as long as not everyone in the group is like that. When you have everyone in the group who just wants to hit stuff, it gets kind of boring and uninteresting. Um, but when you have one character who doesn't have like super deep like complexity and just wants to like go and do the thing. It, it tends to add like this drive that that like more co the two complex groups don't have. Oh, I, I actually just thought of the character that I enjoyed that I played. It's basically I basically played um, the same character. I was playing a a guy who um, his he was a superhero, 
but he didn't know he had superpowers. He just thought he was awesome. Because his superpowers were, he had perfect human physique um, and uh, probability manipulation, primarily in giving other people bad luck. But he didn't have any conscious control over it. Like, just if someone tried to shoot him, their chance of their gun jamming was significantly higher. Like, the, the crit fumble range went from, like, 1 on a d20 to, like, 5 on a d20. Like, they were getting crit fails on 5s five and less type thing. Um, and like, he also had good luck. So his, his probability of succeeding at things was really high. And then with perfect human physique, like he didn't have any bad stats. So he basically always succeeded at stuff. And so he thought he was amazing. Like he thought he just, he's just like, I'm just good at stuff. Like I'm not a superhero. I'm not special except for I am. Cause I'm the best. <laughs> he was an arrogant prick he was a jackass i would hate this guy in real life like i really would have hated this guy because he was a jackass but he was so much fun to play and it was so much fun to just like grab every hook that the gm threw out there and just whole hog just like rip on it like this gm didn't know what to do with a character who didn't like skirt around his hooks like, he put a big red button in the room and, like, was expecting us to, like, try to decide whether we're going to push it or whatever. And no, Jonathan just walked up and hit that big button. He's just like, button? Yes! <laughs> it was so much fun. And now I understand why my old roommate always played, uh, like, big, dumb barbarians. <laughs> yeah, they could definitely be fun. So that that's your favorite character, you'd say, for sure? Oh, yeah. Like... I, I didn't think about it because I it's been a while and it just didn't really occur to me. But yeah, that definitely was that character was so much fun to play and and it was a similar like like character to to Paige actually. Now that I think about it, personality wise at least in a lot, of, but didn't didn't end up getting that that good round out. Like he was still one dimensional when we stopped playing that game. So what do you think uh, your greatest strength as a role player is, and maybe what your greatest weakness is too? Um. So strength is I I love like role playing and it's definitely something that I will commit to doing like over other things fairly regularly like even if I had other plans if it if it comes up that I can I I may decide to do some role playing instead because it's a it's something that I really enjoy doing um and but my my biggest weakness is that my brain hates to pay attention and like, so even though I really want to be present and, like, pay attention to what's going on and be really invested, sometimes I will just, like, wander off into nowhere and not and just lose track of what's happening. And and that that does not feel great. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm with you there. Sometimes your mind just wanders, even if the what's going on is interesting. Yeah. That that would definitely be my biggest weakness, and that's my biggest weakness in like everything is that I I tend to just like lose focus on something and and forget what I'm doing. Uh, is there anything you've ever wanted to do in a role playing game that you haven't been able to do before? Not really. I mean, I've I've done most of the things like in at least once, maybe not the most satisfactorily. Like, like I've always wanted to to play a game where where like you get a really good giant monster fight that feels like you're actually fighting like a giant monster, 
but like I've done that. Like we we've we've done it in in games before, and like I'm just I mean that's probably the closest thing is like a good like really like it feels like you're fighting a giant monster and not just a giant stack of hit points. Okay, so uh, we are going to be playing D and D to start before we start you know molding it to fit our preferences and such. And yeah. what, something that's commonly said about D&D is that it's made up of three main pillars. You got your combat, exploration, and social interactions. Which of those three pillars do you think is your favorite, and why? Uh, probably the exploration. Even though I'm fairly good at the combat portion, like, mechanically, I know how, like, a lot of the stuff works, and I can, I can do that. I find it to be more mathy and less entertaining. Um... The, the exploration of, like, f- going through cool places is probably the more uh, the more interesting thing. Um, and I tend to have... I, I tend to have a rough time with social interactions because I have a rough time with social interactions just in general. Indeed. It's one of the, the curses that many nerds have to bear. Social anxiety is, is a common trend in, like, nerd... nerd culture... Like, not everyone who's a nerd has social anxiety, but, like, if you're a nerd, you at least know someone who does. So I noticed, um, when it comes to the pillar of exploration, uh, it's the one that's complained about the most. What do you think makes for some good exploration, uh, bits in an RPG? Interesting, like, places and, like, stuff to find that isn't necessarily loot, but that you still want to, like, look at and explore. It's hard to, to, like, really codify because, like, there isn't really a finite way to do it. Um, But there's a chart in one of the Numenera books that is just, like, things to make places weird so that they're more memorable. Like, an example is one of them is that the walls are an aquarium and that there are weird fish in the walls. Like, just... It, there's just a list of like hundreds of things that could be just weird about a place you go into. And like, that's an example that pops up that like you could go into this like underground complex of like technological crazy stuff down in Numenera. And then you get down there and like the walls of the hallways are just aquariums full of these strange fish that have been there for who knows how many like hundreds, thousands, millions of years. Because Numenera is set billion years in the future and like a lot of shit has happened (laughs) right yeah um and i i think the failing for like a lot of people is either um not giving enough question like players aren't interested enough to look um maybe like it feels too generic to them and so they just don't really care or the gm doesn't satisfactorily give them like explanations and so they don't feel like it was worth the the effort like they they do look but it didn't feel like it was enough and so they feel unsatisfied now that you put it that way it doesn't seem all that hard to make it interesting to the people who care about it but i could definitely see how uh you could really easily flub it up by just you know hand waving a lot of stuff or giving really barren descriptions of the place all right so we're gonna shift over to the character that you're gonna be playing in this um campaign um, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about your character, and then we'll get into some a few more details about him. All right, so Maliath is a cleric of the god of um, storms and 
the Storms, Thieves, and Charity. The primarily though he works under the the heading of Charity and Storms. He's not typically a thief, although um, there is a certain amount of like Robin Hood esque uh, aesthetic in all of the clerics of of uh, his god because like it's basically Robin Hood. Robin Hood meets Thor is the the god. Um, so like he won't he won't be opposed to stealing from someone who who does who doesn't deserve the money like like a dickish lord who's who's robbing his people. Yeah, Malioth will probably be okay with stealing from that guy, but he won't be okay with stealing from the poor, like someone who doesn't have some have money or or earned everything that they've got through hard work. He won't be okay with stealing from them because like if you earned it, it's yours. If you're basically stealing from other people, then it's totally fine to steal from you. Uh, at least in his mind and in the mind of his his religion and his god um mostly I, I i made this character though because i really wanted to explore the idea of the tempest domain cleric because it looked cool in the book and so i've been coming up with like lore and fiction around playing a tempest cleric because i want to be i want to be a dragon man that that can just like like create thunderous booms that just destroy rooms so that's why you wanted to be uh that that cleric because the tempest kind of subclass was what really interested you that's what drew you in yeah like that seemed interesting as a like as a thing to play in dungeons and dragons because like i've played fighters i've played bards i've played rangers i played i mean i've played clerics but i've never played an offensive cleric like a an almost purely offensive cleric. I I usually fell into as my cleric, I usually fell into the like defensive um buffing healing aspect of cleric. Even if I had offensive spells, like uh, half the time I wouldn't use them because like we would have like a high damage wizard who would who would be better at killing stuff than me anyway, so I would just fall back to buffing. Um, the only exception is I played a cleric of a fire god a while back that my healing spells, like, I, I worked with my GM to to have my healing spells would, would hurt because they all felt like the wounds were being cauterized and then, like, stitching some themselves back together with liquid fire. And so we, we had a house rule with that character that if you got healed by him, you had to scream. So my players didn't treat me as a heal bot. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be a heal bot, but I still didn't end up being super offensive. Like I didn't create like a lot of like aggressive play. Like I didn't I didn't have spells. Like I mean I had some, but I didn't have a ton of spells for like laying the smack down. Because third edition didn't support it as well. At least not in. I mean I read sixty third edition source books, and I couldn't find enough stuff to make a a true like a cleric that could compete with a wizard in like offensive capability, but like the the tempest domain cleric can like in in what I've been looking at for fifth edition like I've seen some stuff that like that cleric can actually keep up with a wizard in pure damage output if if like it comes down to it and possibly beat a wizard in certain like small scenarios because being able to maximize a lightning spell to deal just max damage in a giant aoe can be devastating 
So mechanically, your character is a dragonborn, but we're playing in sort of a homebrewed setting. Can you tell us a little bit about what might be different for this version of dragonborn? So the dragonborn in the D and D like source books aren't super fleshed out. Um, so there isn't actually a lot of differences from that, like what's in the book, um, because they're one of the least fleshed out races. Because the rest of them are like elves are Tolkienian elves. For the most part, they're just elves from Lord of the Rings in a lot of ways. So they don't need to flesh them out. And they didn't the same thing with like the dwarves and the humans and stuff. They typically, people know what elves and dwarves and stuff are. And so they gave about that same amount of like bare bones explanation for the Dragonborn. But Dragonborn don't really exist outside of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, at, like as a, a cultural like concept. Um, the closest thing are there's a, a, a race in the Dragonlance novels that are um, corrupted dragon eggs that an evil god corrupted a bunch of dragon eggs to make like dragon men, but they are not dragonborn. Like they are not the same thing at all. Um. So the the draken, as I've been referring to them, um, in in our setting, are pretty much the same as the ones from the books um but they have their own like uh expansion of culture because like in this setting there there is not as much like land i mean there is there's plenty of land but there's way more sea and where the where the draken come from is a very barren and very hostile continent their their god that created them um liked creating monsters of various types and so her domain the 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 continent that she ruled over until she died um is full of like very dangerous creatures and so like no one really wants to go out there unless they have to in a lot of ways so the draken tends to be nomadic and like just explore the oceans of the world because while there are dangers in the oceans, you know, storms, leviathans, like things like that, um, they also get to see more of the world and like they get a lot of free freedom to like just go out and explore. They have a very wanderlusty type culture. They 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 don't settle down until they're they're older. Typically, um, the only time you'll see a draken who settles like who settles down, they're going to be past middle age. Even once they, even even when they're when they're at the point where they're ha where they have children, they tend to still wander, because um, Draken children are born capable of walking and like fending for themselves. They're a, a newborn is equivalent to like a three year old human, and so within a very short period of time, their offspring are are able to take care of themselves to a, at least a small extent, as long as they stay out of the way and like you know, stay in the cabin on the ship, they, they can, they can pretty much do whatever. So it's not as big of a deal for, for like a, a, a new mother to, to be on a ship with her, her husband or, or partner or whatever. Um, and, and out just like exploring the sea because they don't have to worry about like a, a completely defenseless baby. All right, so that was our second player interview with Tony. Um, in the next episode, we'll be going through a solo session with his character, Malleth. 
um, sort of going through a day in his life, learning about his friends and his family and his daily routine uh, in our starting town of Felgarant. Um, the point of these solo sessions is kind of to explore the background of the characters that the players chose. Um, for example, Can Can was an entertainer with the Gladiator variant. And um, this next episode will kind of go into Malioth's chosen background. Uh, and I hope you tune into that one. Thanks for checking this one out.